Hey, good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's well. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're going to have a, a special show today on just Q&A. Um, we've got some incredible questions. I got to tell you, you guys are awesome. For those that sent in questions, thank you. For those that haven't and want to, you could always send it to charlie at charlieharari.com. Um, if you go on us live and just ask Andy, he'll send you the uh, right email address if you don't know where the, what that is. Um, so if you're out there and you want to ask a question, please do. If you've sent me questions, my gosh, so thoughtful, so incredible. As I'm going through these questions, I'm saying to myself, like, this should be the show, like just answering these phenomenal questions. I hope I even do somewhat justice to the thoughtfulness of your questions and thanks so much for sending them in. Here's a couple of sort of ground rules of how we're going to do it. First of all, the show is sponsored in honor of the birthday of Hannah Devash Abbas Rezel Rachel. Again, thank you. I appreciate it. Very nice of you and to your friends and family who are a part of it. Hannah Devasha, what a gorgeous name. Hannah Devasha. Devasha means honey. This person is a very sweet person, so it connects. We're going to do the questions and answers today. Here's just the general ground rules. I'm going to, if your name is what I would consider to be a typical name, so that no one really knows who you are, I'll say your first name. If it's a unique name, I may not. I'm trying to protect everyone's identity unless you give me permission. So I'm trying my hardest, unless you say, use my name, to, to not use your name, but at the same time, I, won't, I know people want it to be more personal, so I'll use your name if it's general, so people will be like, there's like a million of this type of name. So here we go. We'll start ans- asking questions. I'll read it, and then we'll answer questions, and you'll let me know how, how this goes, and hopefully we'll, we'll grow together this way. Um, first one comes in from a woman named Devora. Thank you so much, first of all, for Devora, for your kind words. I appreciate them. So I wrote my eulogy the other week. Um, okay. To the point. Okay, here it goes. My question is, Everything that my, her person she wanted to give the eulogy, right? The eulogy exercise is not that you give your own eulogy. The eulogy exercise is that somebody, it means you have to picture a human being. So she picked a picture of one of her children giving the eulogy about her. Everything he was saying about me was about my character and nothing about what I had achieved or worked or did. I guess I'm checking if that's correct and if I've done that right. Okay, first of all, that's exactly the way you do your eulogy. The goal of a eulogy is to not address the things that you're doing. What's amazing in your saying, and for those who haven't done eulogies yet, it's really powerful because what you'll find is that it has very little to do with what you've done. Think about your life and compare it to the life you want to live. This is what we're trying to get at here. We want to increase visibility of understanding of why we do what we do. There are no answers. There is nothing that we're going to do that's here, at least, that's going to be like, aha, now I know I got to go here. All we're doing is clarifying and sort of cleaning the mechanism. The more we clean and clarify our mind, the easier it is to make better decisions. Everything that you need in your life, the, the materials already in, in born. All we got to do is clarify and think clearer and get more knowledge and wisdom, but we don't get to change ourselves. And one of the great mistakes that we make is that we spend most of our lives doing and so much 
less of our lives being. But then when we think about the end of our lives, the people that are going to eulogize us, hopefully Messiah will come and have the issue. But if let's assume we'll get, if the people are eulogizing us, they don't care about what we've done. They're trying to draw a connection between what we've done and what that means for who we are. Now, if we're living in the world of what I'm doing, we're like feeling ourselves around. But once we clarify, this is who I am or who I want to be, this is the character that will drive why I do this and don't do this so that we're living with the life that we want to be remembered for. All right, the reason why we write a eulogy is because our brain gets stuck into, but I got to, but I got to, but I got to, but I got to, right? I'd love to do this, but I have to pay my bills. I'd love to do this, but I got like all the things that are getting in our way really are excuses. But once you deal with the day of one's death, there's no more I got to do something. So now it's all clear. So that's exactly how you know you did it right. When you write your eulogy and all you're left with is the why, not the what. I'm up to the B ideal exercise and I haven't done it yet. Could that potentially change my eulogy also? Yes. You see, what's interesting about these worksheets and about this exercise is that everything changes everything else and everything always changes as you grow. This is not supposed to be like you write a eulogy or you write an ideal day or you write a ritual and like you put it into place and this is who you are. You're supposed to sort of create a time period where you get to live in this space But you have to understand that as you do these things, it uncovers deeper aspects of who you want to be, which will then inform another level of clarity, right? It's almost like when you have to clean something, sometimes you got to go through the, you know, I mean, my my wife gets upset because when I work out, I guess I'm sharing my whole life with you over here. When I work out and I run, I, I put my clothes in the same hamper as regular clothes. So she was explaining to me that when you do that, now the laundry has to run through multiple cycles because when you sweat and work out, it's so much dirtier than regular use of wear. That's what happens sometimes. You got to cycle it multiple times. Sometimes our minds have to be cycled multiple times because we just haven't thought this way before. So, the eulogy changes the B, which changes the ritual, which then will have you maybe change the eulogy. Just don't keep on doing it forever. You got to go out and do it. You got to create a time period where you apply this stuff and then you'll come back to it. So I hope that helped and added some clarity to you. Okay, next one. Great questions here from Rachel. Um, question is actual examples of eulogy, of, of rituals. So in, we've been speaking about it in general but we need some like actual examples. So she, she identified, let's say, two different examples to talk to. Number one is, let's say, prayer or relationship to God. And number two is um, being there for family. Okay, so let's just sort of create general rituals here and understand how we could just create like five-minute rituals of connection to God and connection to family. This, we'll just start from the beginning. Um, usually what blocks us from connection to both God and both family are quality time. When you live in a world of where you're always running, you make the mistake in thinking that the quantity is what's important in life. If I'm spending time with you for an hour, then we have an hour long of a relationship. But if I don't have an hour and I give you 10 minutes, then I'm less. The, The real 
relationships are not based on quant- on quantity. They're based on quality. Now, you need to have a certain level of quantity to, guess, create the relationship, right? But the real glue of any relationship is qualitative time. Um, there's an author, I think her name is, oh, I'm forgetting, Joyce. And you remind me for next time, we'll bring it up. There's an author who wrote a great book on, on, um, on working parents. She focused mostly on working moms. And she basically did research on how miserable they are. It's incredible. The amount of happiness that a, 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 a working parent, but in particular, her, I think her last name was Seymour. I think her name was Jane Seymour. Andy's, I'm sure Andy's looking this up as we talk. She did research on how unhappy as a class working moms of young kids are. And she tried to understand why that was. And she realized after doing her research that just in that particular segment of the population, young kids working and mom, there was always this feeling of I'm never in the right place. They, they're, when they're at work, they're never at home. When they're at home, they're never at work. They, for some reason, they had this sense. And so as a result, the quality of the time, Suzanne Joyce. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. Um, it's great to have like a crew of people that are with me, like the producer group that are, hang, that are behind just looking things up. So it's a great book and we'll, we'll put it in our book club one day. But she basically showed how it's not the time that they spend with the kids. It's that when, wherever they are, they're, they feel like they need to be someplace else. So understand that the glue to a relationship is quality time. Quality time means there's nothing else in the world but you, which is hard in today's day and age where wherever we are, we're somewhere else. We're at work, we should be at home, we're home, we're on our phones. We're always, we're always, we're always, we're always. So here's a ritual to try. Start with 15 minutes and then grow it, but try it right now. If you want to increase your relationship with God and with family, identify 15 minutes. There's a lot to put in to your day. So maybe pick one and create a space that is, you know, blocked time. Do it at a time where you really feel that you can be undistracted from the world. So if you do it like at one thirty, it's going to always get blown out. And when you hit that period of time, if it's 15 is too much, do five and do it for one week. Okay. When you hit that period of time, allow yourself to go into a place in which you are undistracted. There's nothing in the world but the person in front of you. Okay. Same time around the same time every day. When you walk into that zone, you're in like no man's land. You're on a plane and the Wi-Fi is not working. You're in no man's land. This to me is what Shabbat, this is why Shabbat has saved my life. My life. Because when, that, when, I, when, the, when I walk out of my house to go to the synagogue on Friday night to when I make the Havdalah service, I'm in no man's land. And it has changed me like in a way I can never even begin to fully explain. Go into no man's land. And either do it with God, whether you're praying out of a Hebrew book or whether you're speaking to him one-on-one in English, or slash and do it with a family member. Not all of your family, with a family member with your wife, with your husband, with a child. If you can siphon off, I'm all here, quality time for either of those two things, you will connect to them in a way that you can never connect when the world is buzzing around you and you're half there. 
And just having that will increase your relationship with them. And if you hold it, it's going to be the most precious time that you have in that relationship. So that's the big, there's more to this obviously, but that's the beginning ritual, like a specific ritual you can do every day. You can check it off. You can measure it at the end of the week. You can see how you're doing. You can see the impact it's having on you. You can grow it. You can, you can lessen it depending on your day. You can actually get stuff done. Okay. Let's get rolling. Thank you. Kathy. Okay. Great question from Kathy. Here's what she's saying. Reactions. Okay. There's the proactive rituals. Then there's the reactive rituals, right? In this case, the question is, what if I don't like how I react? What if I react to things in a way that is more impulsive? So as a result, I don't want my ritual necessarily to be, I'm pretty good with, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. I'm doing this. I got my day structured. It's just that as something comes at me, throughout the day, I react a certain way. So now here's the issue with this ritual, right? You can't schedule it because you don't know when it's coming. This is a major issue for people, right? I can, they, we love when we're in control. I was on the phone with someone yesterday, a wonderful person who may be listening right now. She's an incredible person. She's, she loves being in control. So do I. She loves it. When life throws her chat curveballs, it's harder for her because she's so good at structure and control that she could schedule a day, she can get stuff done, she can roll. But as, as the world sends her things that she's not expecting, that's when she feels like she can't get over that hump. Great. That's a real issue. And we got to deal with that issue because we're not in control. And if we're going to be amazing when life sort of runs with us, it's great. I had this call yesterday with someone else. Or maybe, yeah, yesterday. Someone was really great in school. I forgot when, but it was within the week really great at school and they're in life and they're struggling. You know what they're struggling for? Because school's structured. And if you're like smart and you can memorize and analyze a little bit, but memorize more and you're really diligent and you can sit for long periods of time. If you have all those little category, all those categories and you go to a structured system like school, you're going to thrive because school's structured. There's a start, there's an end, there's a curriculum, there's a test. Most of school, especially in the undergraduate and high school level, is just memorizing stuff. So if you're, if you're smart and you can memorize and you're structured and you're diligent, you're going to do great. And then they're going to give you all these pats in the back. They give you A's and they're going to tell you how great you are. Everyone's going to tell you, like, you got all this talent and there's all this stuff. And then you get to the real world. It'll be cares. Get out to the real world or the non-academic world. And you got to go to work and someone says no and you tried your hardest and the product fails and you don't get the job and... It, it's a mess. The world's a mess. So here's someone who's really structured. And all of a sudden the world's unstructured. This is a great example. So how do you deal with it? So one of the most powerful, most difficult exercises, this is very much in the world of mindfulness. The world of mindfulness has very much Jewish roots, but it's coming to the world today in a much different place. It's coming to the world today in like more of like new age philosophy and separately Buddhism and there's all these different ways that's coming out into the world. We're getting into the world of mindfulness, meditation. So in that theme, in that, in that, in that ethic, if you will, what they train you, what they teach you is the idea of separating yourself from your thoughts. You're not your thoughts. Almost the goal is to almost teach yourself how to, how to look at your thoughts 
right, very good, Liron, to be an observer of your thoughts. Is that you have to create a chasm, you create like a little space between what you think and who you are, which is what we're talking about. It's just the next level of what we're talking about. We're trying to create first the space between your, your, your automatic rituals, your thoughts, and yourself. As we go down this road together, we're going to get into a deeper place of thinking. So we'll jump there for a few minutes. Your thoughts are not really you. It's really incredible if you think about it. So here's a ritual for those people that act impulsively. Once, once a day. Try it. Once a day. When something comes at you and you are about to react, you hold your response for 30 seconds. Once. And if you really want to go crazy, do something that my friend did. I've got a buddy of mine who was in my law firm with me. Great guy. He was in my first year class at law. Um, Struggled in a big law firm, like many of us do. Wasn't him. Left and went into wealth advisory. And he, he showed up, he didn't have the financial background. He was not being successful. And he had to make all these, there's, um, uh, he had to make all these phone calls that he couldn't make. So what he did was he bought himself. I'm, I'm telling you, it's great. Told me this directly. He bought himself, try doing this, by the way. He bought himself a cup, a mug, that he, a glass mug that he put on the corner of his desk. And he went and he bought himself a, a box of paper clips. And every time he made a cold call, which he didn't want to make, he would throw a paper clip into the cup. And he's very competitive. He's an athlete. And he would not allow himself to go to lunch or to leave his desk at night unless there was a certain amount of paper clips in the cup. So in the beginning, he didn't want to make any calls. But then he started to re- remember gamification. Remember we did this about rituals, mastery. We did this a couple of shows ago about how um, if, you, if you start to use your rituals as, as the games, you don't need to go to a football or other games. You get to use your life as a game because our lives are built to be masters, but you can pick whatever you want to be master in. And he did this. It's called gamification. We can, del- we can delve into this more if you want later on. And he would throw his the paper clips into a cup. And after a while, the paper clips would get, he would wait. He would want to go to lunch, but there was three left. So he would make three phone calls. So he tricked himself. So this is a good way to do this. So try doing it like this. Whenever you want to do a ritual, this applies to pro-rituals, but also especially to reactive rituals where you can't check off. It's 8.15, I did it. For those of you who are coming on the show and you use the show as a ritual, thank you. I'm honored by it. But you know at 9.20 if you did it or you didn't. Or whenever you watch the show during the day, you know. right? But what if, you, if, you, if your ritual is don't be impulsive? Well, then when, do you, when does that happen? So what you do is you need to create some structure. So create the structure in either creating a list and checking it off every day, or if you want to go as crazy as my buddy and create paper clips, or I give my kids tickets or whatever you want, create some physical manifestation that you get to touch tactile at the end of the day. So you did your thing. So now, you know, when you wake up in the morning, it'll take two, three days and your brain will be like, whoa, 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 I got to make my check. But now, you know, when you wake up in the morning, that you got you got something to be impulsive. You got some impulsive action to hold back on. So when it hits you during the day, you're like, "I see it." Hold back thirty seconds. Check. I've accomplished that. It's not the, it doesn't sound hard. It's harder than it sounds, but it's not that hard. Like it's not really hard. It's just gearing our mind around it. So, just to review, because I know we're almost at nine twenty. Um, I think what I'm going to do. Tell me if you if you guys agree or not. And I guess. 
we should figure a way to vote or something over here or just in general, let me know. I've got so many more. Oh, yeah. Ariel Eckertole speaks about this. Very good. Ariel just jumped, put a great uh, post on called Eckertole um, is another area where, where they speak about mindful. I think I have it somewhere. I think I have Eckhart Tolle's book somewhere on my shelf. For those who want Eckhart Tolle is also a good author. I think I have it here. Hold on. Yeah. The Power of Now. For those who want to read this book, The Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle. Very good. Okay. I think, tell me what you think. I think, um, thank you, Ariel. I think, I think, I think um, I'm going to add this to the daily show at the end of 920. Tell me what you think. Maybe we'll do 10 minutes a day of this. Um, yeah, we should do a reading list. Thank you. Okay, let me just end with this piece, and then I know it's ready, it's ready time, so maybe we'll pick this up next week. We'll figure out how to do more of this, because i got to tell you honestly, just reading your questions is so, it's so empowering. It's like awesome. Okay, let me end with this. Rituals, proactive rituals, schedule them. Schedule them. Put them in a schedule. The best thing you can do for a ritual is schedule it. You're, the more structure you give your brain, the more he, the brain goes, we're, we're here, 9 o'clock. We're here, 8 o'clock, right? It's 5.30 or 6 o'clock. Ding, 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 get up, like... The best thing you could do if you are being proactive in a ritual is you schedule it. Really important to do it that way. Much better than saying, once a day, I'm going to do this. Much harder. Your day gets thrown and it's nighttime. Remember, at nighttime, you have less willpower. Earlier in the day, in a schedule is the best place for a ritual. But if you have a ritual that's reactive, a reactive ritual, you need something to hold on to, something to touch, something to check, something to do, because your brain will... Will, will, won't really realize that it, you made the thing up, right? Just like people will cry. And again, I'm a huge sports fan. Just like people will cry when they win a game and no one will put the pieces together that like the game really doesn't matter. We'll have next season. Like no one connects the dots that like it really doesn't matter if who wins this game in life. The brain can't go that far. You make your own games in life. Gamify your life. Give yourself checks. Give yourself presents. Give yourselves some tactile reminders. Look at a cup. Look at something on a board. Kids love it. That's why you make a chart for a kid. The kid starts being good. I give tickets out to my kids. Tickets. I found out this thing. It's the greatest thing in the world. Why? Ticket. You put it on your hand. I've accomplished something. So if you're reacting, create some ability. And Leron added a great point here. Write it out at night so that you're clear when the day starts. So... When you do a reactive ritual, make sure you're, 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 you're somehow rewarding yourself throughout the day. And it's both, by the way, in both cases here, what we spoke about today is very not a lot. We're not talking about lot, lots of intrusion into your time. We're talking about 30 seconds. We're talking about a minute. We're talking about 15 minutes. We're not talking about six hours of working out every day. But I want you to understand that when we, when we create that space in our brains, when we create those moments They'll really stack. They'll compound tomorrow. Okay. Guys, thanks so much. We'll continue doing this. I think we'll do this more because your questions are awesome. Please send them in. It's hard to read them on the chat live. So send them into Charlie at charlierari.com. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Have an incredible, incredible weekend. Shabbat Shalom. And um, I hope and pray that with God's help, we're able to see each other again and looking forward to seeing you again on Sunday. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend.